Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks, Ethan. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Well, my name's Eric. I get to be one of the pastors here. And again, just want to say welcome to everyone who's in the room, everyone who's watching online. I think my wife might be watching from Colorado. Otherwise, maybe she'll watch later. So everyone say hi, Kristen. Uh, she is in Colorado visiting our brand new nephew, Mateo uh, Cardenas, uh, in Colorado. And so uh, we are thrilled and excited about our brand new nephew. My father-in-law is pretty excited because now he has finally beaten my dad for a number of grandkids. Uh, he has 14, my dad has 13. So he was very excited to beat my dad. They've known each other for a long time. Um, would you stand with me? And we're going to continue our series and wrap it up on the practices of Jesus. And we're just going to look at today's word, uh, and then we'll, we'll dive in. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are here in this place. God, that we are not alone but God, that you are with us. And God, I just pray that right now we would just sense your presence, we'd feel you. And uh, God, that everyone here would just receive from you, uh, God, what they need to receive. Uh, these would not be my words, they'd be your words. Thank you for the gift of community and the chance to come together. Thank you for this summer series of spiritual practices of just walking in the way of Jesus. I pray that we would just apply these things to our lives so that we could be changed more into your likeness and have lives filled more with hope and peace and love and joy. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You can take a seat. Uh, well, let me tell you a story. When I was 17, I was high school junior and really was starting to get to that point where I wanted to look for meaning and purpose in my life. And You're at that age where you start getting asked, hey, what are you going to do with your life? And so as I started to think about that, I kind of took evaluation kind of who I am. Uh, the reality was, for me, uh, school actually was pretty easy. Uh, a lot of times preachers get up here and say, I wasn't very smart and God used me. Uh, for me, it was actually the opposite. Uh, it was actually pretty easy. I slept through most of my math classes, able to pull A's. I got a 30 in my ACT. And so it was just like, you know, life was open. It's like, what am I going to do? And honestly, I thought a great career would be to be a lawyer uh, because I could help uh, write some wrongs. The thought of writing uh, legal briefs actually kind of excited me. I, I like to write. And the thought of getting on stage or in front of a courtroom and uh, defending someone and making closing arguments, I'm like, this sounds really good, plus making lots of money sounded awesome as well. And so that was my plan uh, going into uh, my junior year of high school. And I started applying to different schools. I thought maybe I'd go out to school in California just to kind of mix things up. Then I really felt this sense that God was leading me to take a step of faith to do fundraising for the very first time in my life and go on a missions trip to Argentina and Chile. And so did some fundraising, went down there and thought, yeah, this would be a nice experience, then come back home, you know, start my senior year of high school, you know, head out to get my undergrad and then go get my law degree. That was my plan. However, God had different plans. And 
It was on that mission trip down in Argentina and Chile that I felt not quite the audible voice of God, but very, very clearly from God that, Eric, I'm calling you to be a pastor. And, and we kind of wrestled with this, and I thought, okay, God, I, I can do this. I guess instead of keeping people out of jail, I can work to keep people out of hell. All right, I, I can see the parallels here. This sounds good. And so went off to college at North Central uh, University, which is a Bible college here in Minneapolis. My other North Central graduates give me a woot woot. There it is, right there. Ryan's also a North Central graduate. And so went off to college at North Central University. There I met our president. Uh, his name was Dr. Gordon Anderson. Now, Dr. Anderson, he's PhD, brilliant. Um, those of you who are kind of my age, maybe, how many of you have seen the movie, What About Bob? Yeah, yeah. Richard Dreyfuss's character, like my president, looked exactly like him. Uh, and so I was like, whoa, what about Bob? There's uh, the, the, the psychiatrist there. That's kind of Dr. Anderson, always wore a suit, uh, kind of buttoned up, and very brilliant guy. But his academia and his brilliance was only matched really by his love for Jesus and his passion for the Spirit and his heart for us as young men and women going off into college and training for ministry and wanting us truly to walk in the Spirit, to be like Jesus. And it was then at college where he really pushed us and said, hey, it's not just about what you know. It's not just about an education that's following Jesus. It's what you do that makes the difference, that really doing makes the difference. And so he challenged us then to join him every Friday. So he would do a lot of speaking engagements around the country, fundraising, but he's always back by Friday. And he spoke every Friday uh, at chapel. We had chapel every single day, uh, Monday through Friday uh, at, at 11 o'clock till lunchtime at noon. And he, he invited us every Friday after chapel, I'm going to be here at the altar which is kind of the front of, of the stage for um, Churchy's talk. He said, I'm going to be down here and just praying during the lunch hour. I'm going to invite you as young men and women who want to go into ministry to join me every Friday. Uh, just giving up lunch, fast and pray. And so I remember that first week, me and my friend Kale, uh, Kale ended up being, we were in a band together, and we're like, hey, let's do this. Let's, let's be more like Jesus. Let's commit ourselves to every Friday. We're going to fast and pray. And so that first Friday rolls around where we're like, okay, we're going to do this, right? We're going to fast and pray together. And so I'm fasting and I'm praying. And then afterwards, I head back to the dorms. And, and as I'm getting off the elevator, I see my friend Kale, and he's standing there holding an ice cream cone. And he looks at me and he said, what? Ice cream doesn't count, does it? And I was like, I think you're missing the point here, Kale. And so the reality is, this idea of fasting, what is it? Does it mean you're just giving up food, but you can still have ice cream? Can you have juice? Can you have water? We're going to get into that a little bit. But the important thing is, I think fasting is one of these spiritual disciplines that we see throughout Scripture. Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast. But yet, in our culture and context, it's something that's really foreign to many of us. Uh, really, the idea of, of willingly going without a meal for any length of time is like, why would we do that? Now, in culture, intermittent fasting has become much more popular. And so I do think people are starting to get on board with this idea. And they're doing it for health reasons. But I want to look at why should we do this for spiritual reasons. Uh, let's go back and just read that again, what Jesus tells us. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Don't be all angry about it. 
For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Yeah, and Jesus tells us, hey, when you fast, this is an important spiritual practice for followers of Jesus to do. Now, we're going to dive into that in just a couple of minutes, but I want to give a little recap kind of over what we've covered this summer. This summer, we've been in this series, Rhythms, um, following and practicing the way of Jesus. We've said following Jesus isn't just about some beliefs in your head. You know, I was a great student. Uh, I was blessed to have a semi-photographic memory so that when I read something, I could just recall it on a test. That's very helpful as a preacher nowadays. A lot of times I'll be up here preaching and all of a sudden I'll just think of a, you know, page 32 of this book I read and I can I bring up that quote or something. And so that's really helpful for me. But it was in college that I learned, hey, it's not just about facts and, and learning how to defend scripture and, and, and you know, why, uh, you know, these new atheists, they're, they're really claims really a really bad philosophy. They need to stay out of religion because they're scientists. Uh, they need to study religion if they're going to get into that conversation. But, you know, why can we trust the Bible and, and all these things that are good to learn? But it's not just about learning in your head. It's also about doing certain things as a follower of Jesus. That's what we've been talking about all summer. And kind of in Mark 1, we've looked at the life of Jesus and what are the different practices that he's done. And so I just want to go through those. And we're, I'm calling this kind of the mosaic rule of life. Now, you may look at that and be like, rule of life, what does that mean, Eric? It's kind of a, a phrase that is becoming more popular with a certain stream of churches that I would say we fit into, which would be kind of charismatic, contemplative. Uh, we believe in the work of the Spirit, we believe in the Bible, but also these contemplative practices that we think are very, very good for us. And so monks, a lot of times, would have what's called the rule of life. What that simply means is, here's, as a community, some things that we do. These are just important rhythms to us as a community. It's not a religious thing. It's not that we want to beat ourselves up if we don't do this. But we're saying, hey, as followers of Jesus, we think these are some good practices that if we do this, it's going to help cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That as we cultivate these things, we're going to find that we become more full of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I think that's something we'd all want, right? To have these things. And so here's kind of a, just a, a refresher on some things that we have been covering this summer. Number one, start your day in Scripture. A couple of the guys were trying to guess my first blank, and none of them got it. And I felt really, really depressed about that uh, because I've been, I feel like I've been banging that drum. Um, start your day in God's Word. Now, Scripture maybe is a fancy word for that. Uh, but this is something we talk about that's so important. Starting your day, meeting with Jesus, whether it's just the verse of the day or you're going to read a psalm, or you know, maybe just a couple of verses or a chapter, it really helps shape the rest of your day. Uh, we heard from our youth a couple of weeks ago just how important it is to study, to memorize scripture. Number two, to embrace silence and solitude. What, what does that mean? These are moments of intentional time to be alone with God. These can happen in the kitchen for 30 seconds while the chaos of life's going around and you're like, okay, I'm just taking a minute right now. I'm just kind of quieting my heart and mind, turn off their music, their radio, whatever it might be. I'm going to meet with Jesus. Now, one thing I want to encourage you is in all these, kind of start where you are and then how can you stretch yourself? For instance, I know Brad yesterday, I'm calling him out, uh, took a day to be away at, at a monastery for silence and solitude. 
I try to get away about three times a year. Uh, around uh, July, after baseball is over, I like to get up to the North Shore for a couple nights, just kind of me and Jesus hiking, uh, do it again in the fall, sometime in the winter. If you've never done that, I highly encourage you to figure out a way to take 24 hours of silence and salt to just be with Jesus, just to listen to him, to talk to him. Now, I don't want this to sound like this is something that only the wealthy can do because they have access to hotels or whatever. Uh, this week, I had a friend, Pastor Ben, he's got a cabin up north, and he let my family stay up there for a couple nights. You know, find a friend. Maybe they have a cabin. Can you use for one night? You know, can uh, you, know, you stay in someone's guest room for one night? Can you borrow something just to get away? away from the clutter and the noise of life and, and to listen and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But we see this again and again in Jesus' life. He, he'd go out you know, into a quiet place early in the morning for silence and solitude to, to kind of recenter himself. Uh, you know, secular uh, business coaches say this all the time. It takes some time, just a couple minutes, just to recenter yourself, to kind of listen uh, before, you know, encounter all the noise of, of life. A practice a weekly Sabbath. This is one I struggle with, and it's really hard. Uh, I know that some of us, we love to work, right, Ryan? Like, working's good. That's good. God created us to work. Newsflash, when we get to heaven, we're not just going to sit on a cloud and play our harps. That's not eternity, because that sounds awful to me, all right? Our hope is life after life after death. So we die, we go with Jesus, we're in heaven, but then ultimately Jesus comes back, heaven comes to earth, we rule and reign with him here on a new recreated earth. It's going to be amazing, we'll have jobs to do, it's going to be good. Work is good. However, we see in the rhythm of creation and the rhythm of Christ followers, it's so good to take 24 hours and unplug and say, okay, I'm trusting you, God, that I'm not going to work but I'm going to trust that you're continuing to work even when I'm not. So that can look different for all different people. So maybe just your baby step is, hey, I'm not going to check email for 24 hours. I'm not going to go into the office for 24 hours. Uh, maybe you got to start with six hours, 12, work up to 24. But I really think this is a rhythm we should get into as God's people. For me, my Sabbath is typically Friday sundown to Saturday sundown because uh, then I can start put my mind and heart on my family, Friday night, date night, or, or family night. Saturday, I'm not thinking about work or church, really trying hard not to, my message. Sun goes down. All right, now I'm going to start thinking about my message again, getting ready for Sunday morning, whatever. So that, that's a rhythm for me. Maybe Sunday's your Sabbath. Maybe it's a Tuesday. I don't know. But can you take 24 hours and set this aside? Ryan preached a great message on this. It's online on YouTube. If you want to learn more about, about Sabbath, it's on there. Uh, embrace simplicity. We talk about this. That, that means cutting back, not, not you know, spending more than you're making. It means clearing out of clutter and stuff, things you don't need. You know, anything you haven't touched in, in uh, you know, over a year, just get rid of it. Sell it, give it away, and then we're going to pay off, pay off debt. Uh, when we live within our means, when we're paying off debt, it, it releases uh, the weight of that on us, and we can embrace simplicity. Um, practice sharing the gospel. I believe... There are certain people with the gift of evangelism. However, I also believe that it is the mark of every follower of Jesus that we should be sharing Jesus with others at some point. And so you should be practicing. How are you going to share how Jesus has changed your life, how, how he, he, he has made your life better, how he has taken away your shame and guilt, and now you know you're never alone, that, that he's always with you. 
You know, just, just how you're working on your story and sharing the gospel news that is good news to everyone. And, you know, and how are you going to be ready if someone asks you on the airplane or, or your neighbor or telling you about your beliefs, that you're ready to share the good news and why is it good news? And then the last one, fast and pray on Wednesday morning. This is what we're going to talk about today. Honestly, I, I was, all week I was like, all right, I really want to find a time. I want to call our church to fast and pray together. And I was like, all right, what day is that going to work? Uh, because for me personally, once a month, I have my pastor lunch with other Maple Grove pastors on Wednesday. Thursday, I have a different once a month lunch with a different group of pastors. All right, we got community groups on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, uh, sometimes men's and women's groups on Fridays, sometimes men's groups on Mondays. Sunday's not a good day because why are we going to fast and pray when we have donuts? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, Sabbath, no, that doesn't make sense to fast and pray on that day. That's a day to feast and, like, enjoy the goodness of God and, and, and you know, work or to play and, and worship God that way. So, so what works? I don't know. But here's what I think we're going to try. Can we, for this season, I'm going to call us, I'm going to explain a little bit more, to fast and pray on Wednesday mornings. So we're just starting on Wednesday. Basically, that's Wednesday breakfast. And what does that mean? We intentionally set aside time to abstain from physical food, to focus in on something spiritual that we're asking God for. And as a community, coming together and saying, hey, we are asking God for some things and believing that change can happen. And so we are going to reject the natural and lean into the supernatural on Wednesday mornings. Fasting is this thing that has been going on for probably is for the last 2,000 years. Now, the last 100 years has kind of fallen out of practice, but I think people are starting to embrace it again. John Wesley, he's the founder of the Methodist movement, he encouraged uh, all his followers to fast twice a week, and he would not ordain a man to the Methodist ministry if he didn't fast and pray at least twice a week. Imagine for a moment that God wants to manifest his presence in your life in a powerful, unusual, even supernatural way. I believe that breakthrough can happen in our lives, and fasting and prayer is one way we can experience that. Spiritual breakthroughs are possible, but not by our own strength, only by God's power. However, there is a price to pay. We're going to have to give some things up to allow space for God's Spirit to speak to us. See, when we surrender to God, and surrender our physical needs to him, we become better fathers, better mothers, better husbands, better wives, better children, better students, better employees, better leaders, because we've transferred our lives, our ideas, our best played, laid plans over to our Heavenly Father. Uh, a book that's been really helpful for me is uh, called The Power of Prayer and Fasting by Ronnie Floyd, and here's what he says. He says, the question is not, nor has it ever been, whether God is willing to move in the hearts of his people. The issue is whether we are willing to surrender in full obedience to him so that we may begin to enjoy the enormous blessings he invites us to enjoy by living in his presence. His entry point and means of access to this is prayer and fasting. Yes, prayer and fasting are not only powerful, but they are God's gateway to spiritual breakthroughs. See, the core message of the New Testament is that the power of God can change lives Ryan's going to talk about this next week, that Jesus changes everything. We have shirts that say that we believe that at our core, that Jesus can change anything, that Jesus can transform points of view, that he can move nations and, and make people new creations. But sometimes we're going to have to kind of go into battle, and that's going to mean rejecting our flesh, the world, the devil, and there is something about prayer and fasting that can uniquely move the heart of God. 
But fasting must have a spiritual goal or purpose so important that we're willing to abstain from food, resulting in spending time with God for him to speak to us. I know without God, we don't have hope, but through prayer and fasting, we can begin to know his power unlike any other time before. Here's what Ronnie Floyd goes on to say. He says, we, like the prophet, must be willing to renounce the natural to invoke the supernatural. There is something that when we say, okay, I'm going to choose to deny what, what I want with the, the, eating some food so that I can say, God, I'm, I'm now consciously saying you are the bread of life, God. You are my sustainer. Now, side note, right? If you're pregnant, if you have uh, health issues, uh, you shouldn't fast. Like, talk to your doctor if you think maybe you shouldn't do this. But for the reality, for the most of us, like, our bodies have just been pre-programmed to eat three times a day or some of us five times a day or whatever it might be. Like, one meal for most of us, we're actually not going into true hunger. It's just kind of in our heads. Like, uh, it actually takes, I think, you know, more like three to five days before you actually, your body truly feels hunger. Uh, and so, for most of us, one meal is, is, is more about the mental than the actual physical. But... If you think you may have health issues, like, man, I don't want you to go into a coma or something, like, talk to your doctor, all right? But for most of us, this is okay. Fasting, again, is abstaining from food with a spiritual goal in mind. Fasting is abstaining from food with a spiritual goal in mind. Now, a lot of times people say, okay, uh, Eric, I, I really, I get cranky, I don't want to give up food, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast Netflix for a season. I'm going to fast, you know, uh, social media. I'm going to fast TV, those are all really good ideas to simplify your life, to get rid of the noise and stuff, but that's not fasting. <laughs> For 2,000 years, fasting has been defined as abstaining from food with a spiritual goal in mind. That's what fasting is. It is abstaining from food with a spiritual goal in mind. Again, take seasons of, of getting away from Netflix or, or cable news or social media. Those are all really, really good things. Take break from those but that's not fasting. Fasting is abstaining from food with a spiritual goal in mind. Some people in the Bible who practice fasting, we see Moses did this, King David, Elijah the prophet, Queen Esther, Daniel, Anna the prophetess, uh, Paul the apostle, and Jesus our Lord. All practice fasting in the Bible. The goal of any spiritual discipline, though, or practice is Freedom. The goal is freedom. That's, that's why we are embracing these spiritual practices. If the result isn't greater freedom in our life, something is wrong. One of the greatest spiritual benefits of fasting is becoming more attentive to God, becoming more aware of our own inadequacies and his sufficiencies. And there are many reasons to fast and pray. We fast and pray to find freedom. Sometimes we have uh, a besetting sin that is something that we cannot break the power on our own. And so what we need to do is say, okay, I need some extra spiritual help in this to find freedom from this thing, so I'm going to fast and pray about it. There's a story where Jesus sends the disciples out, and, and they can't heal this person. They can't cast out the demons, and, and Jesus is able to do it. And they said, why not? And he says, there are certain kind that can only be removed by fasting and prayer. We see there's just another dimension that we are able to tap into to find freedom. We fast and pray to know God, to know him on a deeper level. We pray and fast to get wisdom. Maybe there's a decision we need to make for our business or for our family. We're just not sure. Uh, 
I've been embracing, I've talked about this intermittent fasting more, and, and it is interesting, you know, as you start to hit, you know, uh, 12 hours, you know, 18 hours, you do experience more mental clarity, and I think that is, we're a body, mind, spirit, soul, and, and I encourage you that if you need some clarity in, in your life to make some decisions, try fasting, try for a meal, try for a day, you know, maybe you're going to work up to three days, you have a really big decision you need to make, and you say, okay, God, I'm going to abstain from food. I'm going to seek you purposely because I need wisdom in this, in my life. We pray and fast for spiritual renewal. Man, if, if you've been feeling just dry and like God has not been, you feel like he's not been speaking to you and your Bible reading has been kind of uh, just not there for you, try fasting and prayer. It'll, it could be a spiritual renewal for you as you experience God in a whole different way. We pray and fast for healing. Maybe there's someone in your life that you know that they really need healing. We've seen evidences again and again of God's people. They, they'll say, okay, we're going to fast and pray, believing that the Spirit can heal. Last week, we said that, you know, God is not bothered by our persistent, consistent prayers. Sometimes, in fact, he's moved by it. And sometimes he's waiting for his people to fast and pray so that then he can answer that request in response to our ask. Uh, we pray and fast for protection and deliverance. Again, maybe there's something going on in your life you need some protection uh, from or some deliverance uh, from that thing, and so we're going to fast and pray to find that. I want to encourage you to pray about the kind of fast that maybe you should undertake. Jesus implied that all of his followers should fast. For him, it was a matter of when believers would fast, not if. We pray and fast to know God, and until we know him, we can't know what to do. We can't move forward with, with what he wants for our lives. When we fast, we bring our physical bodies to a place of hunger, and we can feel the hunger of our spiritual souls. See, the heart of fasting is sacrifice. All right, we're going to get practical here, and uh, you can write these down. Here's five steps to help you embrace the spiritual practice of fasting and prayer. Uh, Step one, set your objective. Why are you fasting? Is it for spiritual renewal for your city or your church? Do you need guidance or wisdom or, or healing or special grace? Ask the Holy Spirit to lead uh, for his objectives for your prayer fast. This will enable you to help you pray more specifically and strategically. Number two, make your commitment. Pray about the kind of fast, but then uh, decide up front. You know, is God calling me to, you know, give a food, food and water? Am I going to do a juice fast? Uh, You can study, there's many different kinds of fasts, even in the Bible, of the kind of foods they ate or drank or these different kind of things. But then here's the important thing. Share that commitment with someone in your community group or a close friend or something. Say, hey, okay, I'm committing to fast and pray every Wednesday morning. Would you hold me to this? All right, would you come to men's Bible study at 6.30 a.m. with me? And then, uh, you know, maybe I have to get to work. I can't stick around for 8 a.m. prayer. But you know what? I'm going to commit to not eating anything that morning. I'm going to spend some time in prayer and not break my fast till noon. When you tell someone else, you're much more likely to keep that commitment. Number three, prepare yourself spiritually. The very foundation of fasting and prayer is repentance. Unconfessed sin, secret sins are going to hinder your prayers. So here's some things you can do. Uh, Confess every sin that the Holy Spirit calls to remembrance. Seek forgiveness from those that you have offended and forgive all those who have hurt you. Make restitution uh, as the Holy Spirit leads you. Ask God to fill you with his spirit. Meditate on the attributes of God, his love, his sovereignty, his power, his wisdom, his faithfulness, his grace and compassion. 
Begin your time of fasting and prayer with an expectant heart. Hebrews 11, 6 tells us, and do not underestimate spiritual oppositions. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, the devil is going to whisper lies. Hey, you, don't, you can't do this. This is bad for your body. Or, or, you know, why are you doing this? This is stupid. You're going to reject those. And then your body, your flesh, is going to have disordered desires. It's going to say, I'm hungry. I can't go six hours or 12 hours or 24 hours without eating. And the world's going to tell you, why are you doing fasting? That's stupid. You're going to face opposition to this. But to know, no. My struggle is not against flesh and blood around us. It's against principalities and evil authorities. And no, I'm going to step into God. Uh, Number four, put yourself on a schedule. When you're fasting and praying, set up ample time to be with the Lord. Maybe you want to begin your day in, in praise and worship after you do some Bible reading. Read and meditate in God's word. Invite the Holy Spirit to work in you to will and do his perfect pleasure. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Maybe that's a verse you want to kind of say to yourself, Philippians 2.13. Invite God to use you. Ask him how to show how you can love and serve your family, your church, your community. Pray for his vision for your life and empowerment to do his will. Maybe then if you're doing a 24-hour fast around noon, you return to prayer and God's word. Take a short prayer walk. Spend some time in intercessory prayer. That's where you're consciously bringing them before God, uh, praying for your your community, for your church, for your family. And then in the evenings, have some time to just seek God's faith. Again, maybe while you're fasting and praying, you're going to, you know, not watch TV during that time uh, because it can be a distraction to kind of dampen your spiritual focus. And, and maybe you want to, if, you, if you're married, you're going to pray, in, you know, together in the evening or just, you know, take another evening walk of just praying, listening to him, getting your heart and mind and soul ready. Uh, and then number five, expect results. If you sincerely humble yourself before the Lord, repent, pray, and seek God's face. If you consistently meditate on his word, you'll experience a heightened awareness of his presence. John 14, 21 says this, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Expect that God will meet you as you're fasting and praying. Believe that God is going to give you fresh spiritual insights. He's going to renew your relationship with him. He's, he's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you healing You're going to feel mentally, spiritually, physically refreshed. You're going to see answers to your prayers. And here's the thing. The more specific and purposeful you are, the more specific your results are going to be. If you're saying, all right, we're going to fast and pray for this specific thing, and we're going to keep asking, we're going to keep seeking, we're going to keep knocking, God, until you tell us no, or until you answer this prayer. The more specific we are, the more specific we're going to see our results. Now, last week, I laid out a challenge. I said, are you, are you praying big, bold, bold prayers? I said, here's the deal. As a church, you know, we've been mobile for seven long years. And I shared last week how it's been five years since we've been able to stay in one location for 52 Sundays in a row. That's crazy. We need a permanent home. And so I'm asking you, would you join me in prayer on Wednesday mornings? And one of the things would you pray about? I said, God, would you please give us somehow a permanent home for our church body? that we believe we can do more ministry uh, in a permanent home instead of setting up and tearing down. Uh, in a couple weeks, in November, uh, we can't meet here. We can't meet in the gymnasium because there's school events going on, and so we're just homeless that Sunday morning. We're going to have to figure out what are we going to do. In the spring, there are many Sundays we can't meet there. When they do construction, we get kicked out. 
Uh, we have this beautiful ministry center that's great for midweek, but you know, it's not big enough to do like uh, a big children's program and, you know, men's Bible study on a Wednesday night or something like that. And naturally, I'm like, there's no way <laughs> that, that we could ever find a permanent home for our church. But I believe if we ask boldly, if as a community we seek him, we start praying and fasting and asking to say, God, we believe this is your will. So I'm asking you, would you consider doing that? Would you consider praying and fasting on Wednesday mornings? Uh, starting just a couple weeks, like I said, we're going to have our, our men's Bible study at 6.30 in the morning at our ministry center. We're going to be going through the book of Romans. And that'll be from 6.30 till uh, 7.30-ish, maybe till 8, people hanging out. Uh, and then every Wednesday morning, uh, we do prayer at our office from 8 to 9. So maybe if you're a guy, you want to join us for men's Bible study. Maybe you have a flexible schedule, and you can stay through prayer as well. Maybe you just want to come from prayer from 8 to 9. And I get it. People's work schedules, you can't always do that. But sometime from 6.30 a.m. till noon, would you commit, maybe set an alarm or something, hey, I'm going to pray specifically that God would uh, give our church body a permanent home. Now also, maybe there are some things, maybe some friends of yours who have been asking to adopt, maybe some friends of yours who have been asking to get pregnant, maybe some, someone that you know wants to get married and, and they've been asking and they haven't seen that request answered yet. Maybe someone you know has drifted away from the faith and you have been praying and asking God to bring them back. What are those bold things that as you fast and pray Wednesday morning, you're going to bring before him. The more specific we are, I believe the more specific results we're going to see. And, and, and you know, this isn't going to be like a 21-day thing. This isn't a 40-day thing. We're going to keep fasting and praying until God says stop. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the thing. I would love to see us stretch that into a 24-hour fast. Now, again, Tuesday night community group, you guys rock. I don't want to ask you to like fast from like, you know, Tuesday night to Wednesday night because you have your awesome meal. So, but maybe your Tuesday night community group, it's going to like, okay, all day Wednesday, I'm going to choose to fast. Now, some of us, maybe we have a small group Wednesday night. We're going to eat together, so we're not going to fast. But maybe, okay, we'll fast from Tuesday night till Wednesday and we'll break our fast together in our Wednesday night small group. I don't know. Uh, what can you do? I believe there is power in knowing others are going to be praying and fasting right alongside of us at the same time. This is going to stretch all of us. We're going to hold each other accountable, but we're going to ask boldly, God, would you do these things? Because what I would love, I would love that this Christmas season, that we can celebrate some amazing ways that God has answered prayers. How awesome would it be to come together and say, hey, you know what? I've been praying for this person to, to love Jesus, to, to repent of their sin, and you know what? Now they are, and hey, we're going to do a baptism service around Christmas time. Hey, this person we've been praying for, you know, now they're engaged to be married. This person, now they're on the waiting list and, 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 you know, they're waiting to get their baby. Or they're now pregnant. Or God miraculously has brought up a way for us to have a building. I don't know. But I believe, as a body, if we come before God, boldly asking, submitting ourselves and our flesh and our desires consciously seeking him, that we will see God move. Amen? If, if we don't have hope that God will answer prayers, then what are we doing? Right? I believe God wants to do so much more. I shared this same last week, and I just, I just want to share it again. There are times Jesus will wait to ask until, wait to move until we ask. Just like my little girl, Mariah, four years old, sometimes she'll just grunt at me or lift up her arms because she wants to get picked up. 
But the reality is I want her to ask that. Uh, you know, in, instead of like uh, just, you know, bringing me something that she wants opened and just kind of holding it before me, she's old enough now, she can ask me. Because our relationship is deepened when she asks me and then I can say yes and open it for her or, you know, whatever it is for her. This weekend, Kristen, like I said, she's out in Colorado, and so my kids are asking different things. And you know what? I was trying to say as yes to as many things as possible. Because that, man, that does my heart good. And they're like, hey, Dad, can we go to a park today? Yes. Dad, can we go to Chick-fil-A today? Yes. Dad, can we watch a movie tonight? Yes. You know, whatever it is, if I'm able to, I want to say yes to those things. And I believe God also is waiting to say yes and answer some prayers, but we're not asking. We're not boldly waiting on him to, to answer those things. So again, just as a reminder, here's kind of what we've been talking this summer. And here's the thing, something I want you to notice. Sometimes I feel like as pastors, we're like, like we really want the best for our church, right? And sometimes it, it can feel almost self-serving, like, hey, Get in a small group because that makes our small group numbers look good. You know, start serving because, you know, that, that helps us out. You know, we need people to serve. Give because I need to get paid. You know, all these things. And, and yes, those are all true. And I believe those are all, like, ways to, to sacrifice our time, our finances, uh, just, you know, our schedules. These things, they don't benefit the church, right? They're not like, like this, I don't get anything out of this as your pastor, but I want something for you. Like, I hope you see that. I want you to be filled more with life and hope and, and, and you know, fight the world's greed and, and the noise of the world and how we can schedule our lives to a, the max and, and then filled with stress and all these things and go deeper into debt and, you know, and be you know, addicted to our phones or addicted to whatever it might be. Like, I truly want you to find freedom and hope. These are practices that I've been doing some of them for decades, some of them newer to me, and I truly believe these bring life and, and hope. And so what are we going to do? As a church body, we're going to start our day in Scripture. That, that's, that's one thing we've been talking about this for years and years and years. Man, I, it breaks my heart when I hear people say, like, yeah, I don't remember the last time I opened my Bible. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, come, please, please, please start your day in Scripture, whether it's on your phone or a real Bible. Because you know what, I'm, I'm so tired of people who get away from this practice and leave our church and leave the faith. Man, that just sucks. And I'm not saying if they had read the Bible every day it, it would have been different, but maybe. Every single one of them who have drifted away got to the point where I said, hey, when's the last time you opened your Bible? And they could not remember a time. Man, so please, please, this helps you stay connected to your father. Embrace silence and solitude. Our world around us is full of so much noise. This is a good thing. Have some stillness. You know, whatever that looks like. Practice a weekly Sabbath. I get it. It's hard. I love to work. <laughs> like, it's so hard for me to not work. But this is good for us to remind ourselves, hey, it's in God's hand. Even when I'm sleeping, when even I'm not working, he's still working. Embrace simplicity. The world says, consume, consume, consume. Jesus says, no, be content. Now, does that mean we can't have nice things? No. But it's going to look different for each and every one of us. But it, it, it's saying we need to have some kind of simplicity, some kind of contentment. Do you have margin in your life to be generous with your time, to be generous with your, with your funds? You know, if someone needs you, that you can have time to go over to their house, drop off a meal, just, you know, be there for them. 
how are we embracing simplicity? Practice sharing the gospel. Just the good news of who Jesus is. That, hey, you don't have to be like everyone else and, and you know, schedule a kid in a million activities and spend more than you make and, you know, and, and, and just be angry on social media and all these things. You know. uh, no. Like, there's a better way to live in the way of Jesus and his spirit in you. He can bring hope and life and healing to you. And we're going to fast and pray Wednesday mornings. Again, if that doesn't work for you, I get it. But can we try it? Can we say, hey, God, let's boldly ask together. I'm going to write the band up, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to go out if you're singing. God, I thank you that you love us so, so much. God, we don't have to strive. We don't have to try to earn any kind of favor. You just simply love us, and you accept us. But God, you love us too much to to leave us the way we are. God, I know that your desire is for every one of us to experience more freedom in our lives and more wholeness, more healing, uh, more peace in our hearts, minds, and souls, more joy, more love, less bitterness and less anger. And so God, you've given us these different practices that we've been talking about all summer long. And I just pray now that maybe as, as we've been talking about them and that we'd begin to really put these into practice this fall. And God, we'd see a difference in our lives and in, in the life of our church. That we'd be more grounded, more centered on you. We'd be a church of peace and grace and hope. We believe that better days are coming because you are our hope. So God, we boldly ask, please give us a permanent home for our church. God, please provide spouses for those in our congregation who would love to be married or remarried. God, please give children to those in our church who desperately want to be parents and it hasn't happened yet. God, please bring healing to those who need healing. And God, please bring back the prodigal sons and daughters who have wandered away from you. Help us not to lose hope but to ask and keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking and believing that you can and you will answer. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand and go out of here singing. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.